Hi there. I'm Lee Redhead, a writer and member of Sisters in Crime Australia. Welcome to Scarlet Stiletto Bites, scintillating short stories by Australian women. Our weekly podcast is designed for busy lives. Each murder mystery is short, but not always sweet. Expect twisted tales, quirky humour, imagination, and a frisson of feminism. Sisters in Crime Australia's Scarlet Stiletto Awards were established in 1994 to unearth criminal literary talent. We're producing these podcasts of winning stories to celebrate the sisters' 30th anniversary ceremony in Melbourne in late 2023. The concept designer and narrator is fellow sister, actor, barrister, broadcaster, and best-selling true crime author, Susanna Lopez. Hello, Susanna here. Crime seems to run in families. So what does it take to escape what may appear to be one's destiny? In today's story, we witness an attempt to climb out of a crime hive. Hard Knocks by T.J. Hamilton. Scarlet Stiletto First Prize and Best Investigative Award 2015. Life, for me, was never meant to be easy. I wasn't born easy. Within 20 minutes of becoming part of this world, I was put into rehab because my mother was a junkie. My dad has been in prison since I was a baby and my older brother died years ago during a botched armed hold-up. I've been a ward of the state longer than I belong to someone and I've had the added pleasure of growing up in a suburb called Redfern, hell on earth. Life for me was never meant to be easy. As I stand staring at the lifeless body of the mother who caused me all this grief, I know for certain that Lady Luck and I will never be friends, not even close. I look to one end of the street and back to the other, hoping to find someone who can tell me what happened. But it's 2am, no sane person would be on the street at this hour. I don't bother checking her pulse. I know she's dead. Her skin is a ruddy grey and the pool of thick dark blood around her head is a a fairly good indication that she's not about to spring up any time soon. Sighing, I grab my phone from my pocket and look for the local police station's number. It's in my phone. They know who I am. They always have done for as long as I can remember. Just when things were looking up, you have to go and die on me, Mum. Redfern Police, this is Constable Harris, the voice answers. Oh, hi, Danielle, it's it's Kaylee Knox. My mum's dead. I might sound matter-of-fact, but saying those last three words makes me choke up. Despite everything that's 
happen in my life. I, I loved my mum. She will always be my mum, even if she's a hopeless, drug-addicted prostitute. Well, was a hopeless, drug-addicted prostitute. Where are you, Kaylee? A have you called an ambulance? Constable Danielle Harris asks, sounding a, a little hasty. Danielle, trust me, she's very dead. I'm just outside our apartment block in, in the car park. I look up to the top of the Housing Commission building. I think she may have come from the top, like, like she was pushed over the edge or, or something. Okay, just wait where you are and I'll have a car crew there immediately. Just as I hang up from the conversation, I hear the sirens in the distance. Looking up at the top of the tower again, I, I try to picture my mum jumping. I just know she wouldn't have done it. Everything was starting to work out for us. I'd moved back home to care for her, and I had a good job at the local pub for someone with the surname Knox. That's no easy feat. Mum was starting to look really good too. She'd just gone four months clean. We were saving all our money and, and were going to head off out of this shithole of a city. We were heading north. Mum said she wanted to feel in her warmth in her, her marrow and the sun in her hair and breathe air that wasn't filled with the, the sadness of our life. I believed her too. So she wouldn't have left me like this, not now, not after everything she promised. Hearing a patrol car come screeching to a halt next to me, the headlights shine right on the wound at the back of my mum's head. I, I, I have to look away. The two male constables who came to do a licensing check on the pub earlier in the day get out of the car. I feel the pressure of tears on the back of my eyes, but I, I squeeze my lids shut for a moment to push them away. I haven't cried in years, and I'm not about to start. Life has thrown too much at me to lose it right now. The larger of the two cops pulls a face when he sees my mother's crushed skull and speaks into the radio piece on his shoulder. Redfern 20, we have a confirmed deceased. Could you organise for the government contractors to attend our location? The other cop comes towards me. Did you see anything, Kaylee? I shake my head as he pulls his black notebook from his pocket. No, I just walked home from work and and found her like this. I, I haven't seen anyone around at all. The constable scribes my words in his notebook as the other officer joins us. He taps me on the back twice, a, a gesture I can only imagine is meant to be of comfort. Sorry about your mum, Kaylee. I thought she'd been doing well lately. My chin quivers as I speak. That's the thing. She... This doesn't make any sense. She wouldn't have jumped without being forced to. 
we had plans. We were getting out of here. She promised... I can't finish the sentence. The officers trade glances on the round, back-slapping cop who I remember his name, Tom, shrugs. Oh, sorry to say, but there are always suicides around here. I shake my head again. No, she didn't jump. I know it. The police hold up a big white sheet as strange men in black suits pack my mum into a body bag. The sight is all too common in these parts of town. A small group of the locals gather near the stairwell to the apartment block. News travels fast. They all know who it is. Some of them cry. Mum's best friend, Bessie, comes over and wraps her arms tight around me. She stinks of booze. Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry, baby girl. Your mum was a really good person, you know. This shouldn't have happened to her. She was a beautiful soul. She was so proud of you, she wails into me. Most of that was a lie. My mum wasn't a good person, but she was proud of me. I'm proud of me. I'm the only member of my family who isn't dead or incarcerated because of crime. I even managed to complete school and get a job for things my entire family failed to achieve. Watching the flashing lights as they leave the white, unassuming van carries my mum's body behind them. It dawns on me none of the police bothered to take photographs of the scene or, 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 or follow their usual investigation procedures. I'm sure they think my mum was just another junkie whore who suicided. But I know my mum didn't die by her own will. The pub's owner, old Mick, is kind enough to give me the day off work. Go get some rest, love, he'd said on the phone. Problem is, I, I, I can't rest. I need to find out why the police aren't investigating my mum's death. I mean, I get why they couldn't be bothered, but what happened last night is, is just ridiculous. Walking into the police station, a young cop immediately comes up to the front counter when he sees me. I don't know him, but I'm sure he knows who I am. I, I can tell. I hate that they all know me. At least they've always been nice to me, so, so I can't really complain. Unlike my family, I've never given them a reason to treat me otherwise. His soft eyes and downcast face scream of sympathy, but it's already making me sick. I get that I've had a rough start to life, but I just wish they'd stop reminding me of it. Every time they look at me with such... Pity. Hi, Kaylee. Sorry about your mum. Can I, can I help you with something? See, sorry. They're all sorry. Uh, I want to speak to the boss, please. I throw in pleasantries for effect. 
Sure, I'll, I'll just see if he's available. Why don't you take a seat in the private room? He points to the room on the right. After waiting for ten minutes in the stark waiting room, the man who sometimes steps in as boss of the station opens the door. I don't like this guy. I never have. He's never been mean, but he's he's never been nice either. He's just cold. I look at his badge when he sits across from me and read the name Glenn Scott. Mm, that's right, Glenn, the asshole. It's sad news about your mum. If there's anything we can do for you, Kaylee, you just ask, okay? Yeah, I doubt you're sad. Uh, yeah, there is something you can do for me. You can tell me why you're not investigating how my mum died. There is a coroner's report being finalised. It's standard procedure for suicides, and once that's completed, your mum's body will be released to you. He looks so smug with himself as he leans back in the chair and folds his arms across his chest. Shit, I hadn't even thought about burying Mum. How am I going to afford that? I have just over $2,000 saved for Mum and I to move north, but I don't even think that's enough to bury her. Um, How how do you know it, it was a suicide? My mum wouldn't have jumped. Did you know she was clean? Had been for months. Test her. She'll come up clean. I can feel the tears threatening to spill. He nods slowly, sympathetically. Toxicology reports will arrive in a few weeks' time, and I'm, I'm sure you're right about her being clean. I'd heard she was doing better than she ever had. I'm sorry, but it's quite common for users to have psychotic episodes when they come off of years from a a, a serious drug dependency. I try to bite back the snarl in my top lip, but he's making it difficult. My mum didn't jump! I scream. Launching from my chair, I, I storm out of the police foyer. I have to get out of here. I don't want them to... See me cry, see me vulnerable. Racing out of the police station, I walk as quickly as possible back to our apartment four blocks away. The first tear slips down my cheek when I walk through Redfern Park. It bites against my skin with its icy wetness. That hurt more than I cared for. I have to sit. My vision is blurred from the tears that stain my eyes. Taking a seat on the bench near the road, I feel like there isn't enough air filling my lungs and and my cheeks burn with a prickly heat. This is all too much. My mum is dead. I have no money to bury her. The cops have it wrong and her death will be as insignificant as her life was. Hey, Kaylee. I hear a soft voice next to me. Looking up, my watering eyes meet the young cop who was just at the front counter. I frown. What now? Holding his hands out in a non-threatening pose, he speaks again. I'm not here to harass you, I promise. I just wanted to tell you that I believe you. I don't think your mum suicided. Why is he saying this? What does he want? 
Why? How? I wipe up my tears with the back of my hand. There was someone who we heard was hanging around. A really bad guy. We've been trying to get to this guy for a while, but you know how those towers work. No one wants to talk to police. They all protect him. If he is around, I can guarantee he was involved. This is right up his alley. Your mum is the ideal type of victim for him. Vulnerable, desperate and weak. He winces at me when he says those words. Sorry, Kaylee, I I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Your mum was getting stronger by the day. Do you know if she was seeing anyone? I hate the way he described my mum. Vulnerable. Desperate. Weak. The problem is, he's right. I shake my head. No, no. She wasn't seeing anyone. At all. She shut herself away from everyone because they were all bad influences. She was serious about getting out of here. He nods. Yeah, I know. I used to chat to her when I'd see her walking back from the supermarket. I'd never seen her so so bright and, and alert. What about all that stuff the boss said just now about recovering junkies going psycho? I still didn't know whether to believe this cop or not. He's an asshole. Don't listen to him. You know your mum best. Nodding, I agree with what he's saying. I did know her best. She had no one else left but me. My dad will die in prison with his life sentence, so I'm all alone again. So what am I supposed to do from here? People will talk to you. Find out everything you can and give me names. I will do what I can to get the investigation rolling if I know there's some substance to my theories. I know you want to clear your mum's name. You've always been one of the good ones, Kaylee. Here's my card. He pulls out a small white card from his top pocket. Call me as soon as you hear anything. He offers a smile, but I pay little attention to it. Instead, I take the business card from him, get up and start walking without saying goodbye. I need to sort my head out. I'm going to the place where my mum spent the last moments of her life. The stairwell door to the rooftop hangs on its broken hinges. My skin prickles at the thought of whether the person who dragged mum up here did that or not. Stepping through the gap where the door hangs, I almost lose my footing on the stones that scatter randomly on the rooftop. They're dangerously slippery. The breeze blows heavily from this height, 40 storeys up. It's the perfect place to bring someone if you wanted to throw them off the edge. Nothing survives 40 storeys. I hear whimpering and catch sight of Bessie, crouched in the corner near the brick wall barrier, a cask of wine by her side. 
What are you doing up here? I ask on approach. She springs to her feet, shocked and sways. She's drunk already and it's not quite ten o'clock. When she sees that it's me, Bessie relaxes a little. Oh, Kaylee, you scared me. I, I was just having a drink for your mum. We used to come up here for a drink every now and then, you know, just to have a moment to ourselves. I didn't... She doesn't finish. Snot dribbles from her left nostril. She wipes her sleeve along her nose and tears splutter again, slumping back to the ground. Bessie clutches the cask of wine as if it's her only friend. It probably is her only friend. Well, I was hoping to find some closure by coming up here, I lie. Hey, did did my mum have someone new in her life? I thought we were rebuilding our relationship finally and, and we felt close, but there just seems to be something missing. I just know she didn't kill herself. Bessie's bloodshot eyes shoot quickly to me and rest back down on the ground in front of her. Bessie breathes heavy between sobs. Her head turns to the side in thought. You know, she she did mention that this new bloke in, in town, Jacob Mitchelton. He, he's from Mount Burke some way. A bit of a womaniser. I, I don't like him. I, I told your mum that, but she wasn't knocking about with him a bit, you know. I shake my head. No, I, I didn't know. <laughs> he's he's staying with his cousin, Johnny, you know, down on level 14. You, you know Johnny Mitchelton? Nodding, I take a deep breath. Yes, I do know the Mitcheltons. They're all bad, all four generations of them. My brother was with a Mitchelton when he died. Johnny's the worst of them. I know he touches kids. I've heard things and my mum always told me to stay away from him. He tried it on me once, but my family carry a surname that's more troublesome than theirs. And my old man would have had a hit out on him the moment he caught wind of anything happening to me. That thought reminds me to get in contact with my dad. He should know about what's happened. Even though he and Mum didn't talk much anymore, he deserves to know Mum's gone. Wandering slowly around the rooftop, I scan along the edge to see if there's something I can catch sight of, a a clue, anything. There's got to be something. Nothing. With my eyes scanning along the railing, I circle back around to where Bessie is. Just above her, there's a dent in the flimsy box metal that sits above the brickwork. Is that where Mum went over? I replay the possible sequence of events in my mind. Did she step up onto the ledge there? Was she fighting someone off and, and, and they pushed her into it? With a name to take back to the cop who wants to help, I leave the rooftop. I can still hear Bessie sobbing as I step back through the broken door. Are you looking for Jacob Mitchelton? 
I say over the phone to Constable Matt Sells, as the name reads on the business card. Bingo! Good work! Well, that was quicker than expected. He was right about one thing. The towers are a hive of information. It's always been that way. Everyone knows everyone's business because no one has a job. Gossiping and boozing are their only outlets and the two easily go hand in hand with one another. Ah, so you think this guy had something to do with my mum's death? I hear a sigh. It's not the first time he's done something like this. The problem is we can't catch him. He's a slippery piece of shit. Why is he telling me this? Does he really want to help me or is he running his own agenda? What, what can I do to help? Where's he staying, do you know? I need you to come in and give me a positive ID on him. Then I can set up a search warrant to catch and arrest him. Can you get eyes on him at all? I nod first before speaking. Yes, I'll try to find him first. I've been told he's staying with his cousin Johnny. Yeah, we thought so. But so far no one has been able to positively identify him to us. You are doing the right thing, Kaylee. Uh, There was one other thing. I think about the dent in the metal railing on the rooftop. There was a a dent near where my mum fell. Once we get this guy, I'll follow up your mum's death, okay? Okay, I reluctantly reply. Ending the conversation with Matt, I rush out of the apartment that mum and I shared and take the stairs to level 14, a few floors down from us. My mind races to come up with an idea of what I'm going to say when I get to Johnny's door. Maybe I can just wait around on his floor and hopefully I'll see him that way. As I get to the door of level 14, an idea comes to me. My heart pounds in my ears as I approach 14C, Johnny's door. Three light taps on the door and I hear yelling from inside. Who the fuck is it? I don't recognise the voice. It's Kelly Knox. Knox? What the hell do you want? The door swings open to a tall, solid man with a ginger beard and tattoos covering the left side of his neck. Two teardrop tattoos sit on the outside of his right eye. It's him. It's Jacob Mitchelton. I can tell already by the dark eyes that seem to be a distinctive trait in the Mitchelton family. A ball feels lodged in my throat as I try to speak. I, I was uh, I was just doing an a door knock around, collecting coins, cash, uh, anything to help me pay for my mum's funeral. He sniggers, baring his yellowed teeth. Who would want to help out a dirty, filthy whore like your mother? Running his fingers through his beard, he tilts his head to the side and looks me up and down. But if you wanted to come in, I'm sure I can let you work for the money. 
My emotions are teetering dangerously between wild, stabbing rage and utterly disgusted nausea. Not a chance. Forget about it. I turn to leave, but he catches my arm. How about you get that father of yours to help you out and tell him that Jacob's coming for him one day? Pulling from his grip, I I snarl back at him. How about you go fuck yourself? Walking as fast as I can down the corridor, I hear him call out, Come back any time you want to earn yourself some cash, girly. I promise to be gentle with you, nothing like I was with your old whore of a mother. The fury feels like it's, it's burning a hole straight through my chest. He's really got it coming for him now. Making my way into the police station again, my palms feel slippery with perspiration. I hate being on the side of the cops, but what choice do I have? I need them to help me just as much as they need my help. Plus, with someone like Jacob Mitchelton as their target, swapping teams doesn't feel so bad. I give Matt's name to the female constable at the counter and take a seat in the foyer. Within a matter of minutes, Matt bursts through the side door and smiles wide. There's something endearing about his smile that makes me feel comfortable. Let's go upstairs. I'll take a statement from you up there. He holds the door open for me and waves me through. Looking behind my shoulder, I make sure there's no one around to recognise me. Luckily, the station's empty of anyone except for cops that work here. I take a seat opposite Matt at a desk with nothing but a computer on it. He taps on the keyboard and the computer comes to life. After typing all my words about the conversation I had with Jacob Mitchelton and the way he looked... Matt looks up at me and smiles. You've done really well, Kaylee. You've described him with fine detail. We're initiating Strike Force Fortis, effective immediately. The rapid response team are set to go now, so we can storm the building without too much disruption to the rest of the residents. I would prefer you to come with us and, and let us in. We don't want him to get away this time. You deserve this moment. What do you say? Nodding, I consider his invitation. After what Jacob said about my mum and knowing that he no doubt killed her, I agree that I probably do deserve this. My mum deserves this too. I hesitate for a second before replying, Okay. Matt smiles again. His optimism creates a a, a flicker of hope inside me. Things may just work out for me after all. Where Jacob Mitchelton is going, my dad will finish the job from prison. Once my father hears that he's mum's killer, the job is as good as done. If Jacob Mitchelton's reputation is bad, my dad's is worse. Dad has nine counts of murder, charges on his life sentence. He's not someone you want to threaten.
The thought makes me smile. Ready to go then? Matt asks. I nod again. Mm, let's take this asshole down. Standing in front of 14C for the second time today, I, I take a deep breath and hold it. However, I, I don't feel nervous this time. <laughs> How can I when I have a dozen cops standing behind me all dressed in black and carry enough weaponry to start a civil war? Glancing to the left of me, I catch Matt and he nods, encouraging me to knock. With three taps, I hear Jacob yelling again, Who the fuck is it this time? Ah, uh, just me again, Kaylee Knox. Ah, taking me up on the offer, hey? He says as he swings the door open. Fuck! He yells when his eyes catch the wrath of fierce black force surrounding me. Everything is a blur. I'm shoved harshly aside and, and plucked from the centre of the craze. There's yelling. It, it's so loud that it's all just a solid wall of intimidating sound. There's a flash of light and some loud bangs that make me scream and cower into the warm surrounds of the arms around me. It all happens so quickly that I can hardly register a thing. I turn to whatever's holding on to me and see Matt. Jacob is bellowing out. He's not giving up easily. Shrieking pierces the air. He's pleading with them to stop whatever they're doing to him. Within seconds, four cops carry a bloody Jacob Mitchelton into the hallway. His eyes catch mine and the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. You fucking little bitch. You'll have it coming. I am coming for you. Blood spits from his mouth as he yells. One of the big cops looks down at him and drives his fist down onto his face. Shut the fuck up, he says as his fists connects with Jacob. Jacob's head droops as they leave down the stairwell. The fear on my face must be noticeable because Matt holds his arms a little tighter. It's over now. Where he's going, there's no way of getting out, ever. He's been our number one fugitive for five years. There's enough charges against him to keep him away for the rest of his life. He loosens his grip around me. There's also one other thing. His eyes smile before his lips do. What? My eyes widen in fear again. I don't think I can do any more. I've helped the police enough. I, I, I can't take it. I just want to run away, far away. There was a reward out for his arrest and capture. Matt's grin is infectious. Pardon? I don't believe what I'm hearing. The reward for the arrest and capture for Jacob Mitchelton was the biggest in our country. And now it's all yours. Heart thumping in my ears, I answer. How much is it? A quarter of a million dollars. <sighs> the world around me slips away. Everything fades to black. The last thing I feel is Matt catching me as I fall.
As I packed the last of my belongings, the back of my new car, Bessie comes staggering out of the tower. She's drunk, as usual. Kayla, your mum's service was really something. She'd be so proud of you and, and everything you've done. That Jacob got everything he had coming to, to him. He killed kids and all. She pauses uncomfortably long between breaths. Look, <clears throat> there's something I, I need to get off my chest about the night your mum died. Tears slip down her cheeks as she continues. We, we had, had a bit of an argument, me and your mum, and something happened. I, I haven't been able to live with myself. Staring at her, I, I feel the knot in my chest tighten. I can feel what she's about to tell me. She, she hated me drinking. She wanted me to stop, but she was stronger than me, though. She got through it. I never could. When she found me on the roof that night, she tried to take the drink from me hand. That's how angry she was with me. She slipped or, or something and landed against the edge. I, I tried to help. She just went over. I don't even know how she got there, you know. I, I was too drunk. The tears fall freely down my own cheeks as Bessie recounts the night my mum died. She held on as long as she could, but I just couldn't. I tried. I promise I tried. I did. She just... I raised my hand up to stop her finishing the sentence. Taking in the gravity of Bessie's words, we stand in silence, Bessie swaying. If she told the truth from the start, I wouldn't have helped the police get Jacob. Without them capturing that bastard, I wouldn't have got the reward. Without the reward, I couldn't bury Mum and life would have been as dismal as before she died. Sighing, I take out some money from my wallet. Three hundred dollars. I grab hold of Bessie's hand and slap the money into her palm. You, you don't need to tell anyone else that story, okay? You've told me, so you, your conscience is now clear. With the police's investigation leading towards Jacob Mitchelton murdering my mother, this is the last thing I need. I don't want to be stuck here any longer for more police questioning. Bessie looks at the $50 notes in her hands and nods vigorously. $300 isn't much, but to someone like Bessie, it's about a month's worth of grog. She will drink to forget, and eventually she will do just that, forget everything. For me, I'll never forget where I came from, but I can't stay here and dwell on the sadness of it all. Through her death, 
my mum has given me the opportunity she always wanted me to have. Her life and death are now worth something. I get into my little car and drive away from the towers and the life as I have known it. I don't look in the rear vision mirror. I don't need to. It's finally over. No longer will I live the hard knock life. The end. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your feedback. Subscribe for free to Scarlet Stiletto Bites wherever you get podcasts. And do visit our website, sistersincrime.org.au.